This is On Tap with Bill Clark. What is On Tap? I've had some of the best conversations over a pint of ale, a glass of Pilsner, or a bottle of brew. Conversations over a beer will include sports, family, work, hobbies, and the weather. But we won't stop there. We'll dive into what inspires us and what drives us as humans. I'll invite some of my friends, coworkers, mentors, and community leaders to share some of their wisdom, advice, and of course, some of their favorite beverages. We pray our conversation blesses you and helps you find joy in this journey of life. Cheers. Welcome to On Tap with your host, Bill Clark. Welcome to On Tap. This is Bill Clark. Today, I actually don't have, well, an old friend, but a new friend. Can I say that? A new friend? Sure. I have pastor, yeah, Pastor John David Mull, uh, who's been pastoring in West Des Moines at Shepherd of the Valley for about a year now. Came in almost right, right when COVID hit. It was yeah. the first. It was the first weekend the services got suspended because I preached the weekend before. You guys were That's here, right. but not you were not installed yet. That's right. I don't know how many pastors have showed up and the week before they get installed have to go to a meeting in the office, and the first decision you have to make is we're not going to worship live for the next couple of months. <laughs> uh, and we've never done a Facebook live service before, but we're starting this Sunday. By the way, that'll be my installation. That's it's always a way to endear yourself to your new people. That's right, because I brought the the Mevo camera over so you guys could use That's that. Right. And because you guys were missing some parts for your camera system to be able to broadcast yeah. it and all that kind of stuff. I think we used that for about three weeks before we were able to get our whole system up and online. So well, it was great. I've loaned it, it to us a couple, I've loaned it to a couple of churches and I'm like, that's I mean, that's what it's for. Yeah, you know, it's good stuff. Um, it's a very economical way to do it versus just holding a iPhone in your hand. Yes. So, well, I've learned a little bit about you. Um, got to spend a little time together last night uh, watching the Super Bowl. And uh, thanks for inviting us over. I know my kids sure. had a good time, my wife. We did meeting, some, meeting some new folks. And, and a week ago, we had like an impromptu can we really say this in COVID, but we had a, uh, we, we followed guidelines at the restaurant, but we had, had lunch at uh, La, uh, Monterey. Yeah. Well, if you folks. think about it, it was, a, it was an antibody party. That's true. Almost all of us have had COVID within the last few months. And so we were celebrating. Yes. A big antibody party. <laughs> yeah. With hugging and resuming of normalities. <laughs> That's right. Just for a few minutes. So what do you want to share about yourself? Um, you know, tell people about yourself. Well, let's see. Um, well, any Texas boy would tell you right away the first thing. Well, I'm a Texas boy. Uh, <laughs> born and raised uh, down there. And uh, I, uh, I grew up uh, a Lutheran, you know, baptized at three weeks and all that business. Um, but uh, when I was at Texas Tech, God called me uh, over a long period of time that I argued with them and 
I ended up transferring to Concordia St. Paul and studied to be a DCE up there. Uh, quite a transition mm-hmm. for, uh, for a Texas boy, right? I uh, got to play football and baseball up there. That was huge for me, too. Uh, did a DCE internship out in Vancouver, Washington, and that was the first time that I was really convinced that God had me in ministry. Matter of fact, I remember they, they'd sent me up there and I'd come back to Texas in the summer. And then I had to drive from uh, West Texas to Vancouver, Washington state. Wow. And uh, I was, I was somewhere in the area of uh, depression and disbelief because I thought God had the wrong guy, you know? (laughs) Uh, So I, I chose to drive no more than 300 miles a day and took a route through New Mexico, Arizona. I was going to see the Grand Canyon, go to LA and then go up the 101 all the way mm-hmm. uh, to Portland and into Vancouver. And uh, it was on the sitting at the Grand Canyon. I found a spot on the side of the Grand Canyon, just sitting with my feet dangling over the edge. And uh, it was there. I wasn't about to jump or anything. I was just uh, kind of arguing with God. And I finally <laughs> did something that you're not supposed to do. And I told God, uh, look, I don't believe you, but if this is what I'm supposed to do, you show me. I, I tell you what, for the first time in my life with this, I'll give you everything I've got for one year and you show me mm-hmm. and, uh, and end up getting up there. Now, one story on the way there, my air conditioner went out in New Mexico Ooh. and it was going to be like $800 to fix it. And I would have had to wait like two weeks and I didn't have that. And I was moving to Vancouver, Washington. I thought I could do without an air conditioner. So I drove across Arizona in August without an air conditioner. And I wasn't smart enough to drive at night. Uh, so so I drove, I drove uh, just wearing a pair of shorts. And I had a little RX-7, Mazda RX-7. I had the uh-huh. sunroof open, the windows down. And uh, next to me, the, the back was just filled with clothes and stuff, right? Right. Next to me, I had a little a little igloo cooler that was filled with ice and a rag, and I would just take it and flop it on my chest and wipe it on my face, <laughs> and I I moved the seatbelt every few minutes so I wouldn't have a stripe across me, right? Because the sun was just bearing in. <laughs> but when I got to when I got to L.A., I get in a hotel and I was only going to stay there for one night, and I, I look in the mirror and the left side of my face was really dark and then it just faded into lighter across the right side of my face and it was very obvious it looked like there was a big shadow <laughs> so so i'm going i'm not going to my new church like this so i spend three extra days on the beach in la just putting heavy sunscreen on my left side and not as heavy on my right side <laughs> trying to even it out so pretty crazy so I finally drive up the 101 and I get there and uh, I did, I gave it everything I had. Uh, and really God did so much. It was incredible. I, I saw this youth ministry really grow and blossom. I got to see a few kids baptized mm-hmm. uh, through that ministry in that year. Uh, and this is the most unchurched place in the United States at the time and just saw God working. It was so cool. Right. Um and I was convinced then, and I went back to St. Paul for my last year. And uh, I remember uh, people not recognizing me uh, just because I was, he had changed me so much in that year, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I went out and took a call down in, 
uh, DeSoto, Texas and spent four years at a church there. Uh, really great youth ministry and worship leading and then went down to uh, Trinity Klein down in the Houston area and spent seven years leading a really big youth ministry down there. Um, yeah, there was like uh, 300 kids active in that ministry. It was a really cool wow. church. And leading the worship services, ended up having a few youth ministers under me. And uh, that's when I really ran into PLI. They were, it was every six months, we'd have a PLI group come to see our youth ministry for, for you know, a week and interview us. And I, it wasn't because of me. It was just an incredible time. Uh, and during that time, you know, we had 9-11. Uh, and then I just watched ministry change from 9-11 until I left Trinity in 2008. Um, I could feel the whole atmosphere changing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember going like our youth ministry was still big uh, and there was still lots of stuff going on, but it didn't feel right. Um, and I knew that these cool programs that we had developed weren't doing what they used to do mm -hmm. and they weren't drawing kids the way they drew them. And the kids were still there, but their, their mindset was so different. And, uh, and I was just going, and, and the other thing is I was digging into the word and I was really in, you know, and the more you dig in the word, you more, you see it telling you you're supposed to be, we, we're not just, we are children of God by grace, but we're also to be living this thing out and uh, reaching people who don't know Jesus. And I didn't know my neighbors. Yeah. Right. Because I was so busy at that church um, and I got pretty depressed over that. Uh, and I remember these PLI groups coming in to talk to us about our youth ministry. I'm telling them what we're doing, but there's a part of me going, but it's not going to work in a few right. years. It's just not working. Right. Um, and uh, so I did what any male DCE does when he gets really depressed. I checked out seminary, you know, <laughs> And uh, I had this weird thing where I went to the website and my heart just flipped. Um, and I was like, oh, no, because my wife did not want to marry a pastor, you know. Mm -hmm. And we'd been married, you know, 10 years almost at that point. And I'd mentioned seminary to her a couple of times before and her face went sheet white. And she was just, I was like, no, no, no. But this time I went to her and asked her to sit down. Our, our second child had just been born. Our oldest had just been diagnosed with type one diabetes. He was three turning four. So it was all upheaval at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. And I thought this is the worst time to talk to her about this, but I felt God really moving me. And I said, honey, I, I really feel like it's time for us to go to seminary. And she goes, I agree. Uh, God's really been working that way. I went, who are you? And what have you done with my wife? But yeah, exactly. it was, it was done deal. And we went right then. Right. And uh, we went off uh, and, and, and got there. We sold our house in 2008 in spring. Praise the Lord, right? Because oh, right. By, the, by the time we got to seminary, the housing crisis hit. So we had right. just sold yeah. it in time. Yeah. Right? And we get there and the mission track at the seminary had lost all its funding because of that too. Oh, but yeah. they still had the church planter assessment center, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was already signed up for it. It had already been paid for. So they were still going to have it. Mm -hmm. And I, I go to it with my wife and it's this three day, pretty intensive thing. And at the end of it, they said, you're green lighted to plant a church. You just need to finish seminary. 
Uh, but there was a, a, a guy who was one of the assessors. His name was Steve Benke. He was a local pastor there at uh, Jefferson Hills Church there in St. Louis. And he pulled me aside and just talked to me. And uh, he was saying, you know, your fieldwork church was a great church is Concordia Kirkwood, uh, which is a big half mm -hmm. church. He said, are you learning anything there? And I go, well, you know, yeah. And he goes, are you really? And I said, well, I was a DCE for 11 years at Trinity Klein. And he's going, so are you learning anything? I said, not really, not right now. And he goes, do you want to be a church planner? And I said, well, I feel like God wants me to be a church planner. And he said, well, I have an idea. And so he and I met and made a plan and met, went and met with uh, UTech at the time, who was over field work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, he's, not, he's not there anymore. I, I, don't, I don't think, think so, I think no. He, I think he took a call in Minnesota, maybe, or something. But anyway. Bill Utah, told, right? Bill Utah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in Minnesota. So, he, so Steve and I meet with him and presented him with a thing where Steve would be my, my supervisor for field work. But I would go, one of his, his church would be one of them, but I would go every quarter to a different church that had been planted in the last five years and learn from that church. And they said I could do it uh, because I'd been a DCE all these years and I would have to write a report to them after mm -hmm. every one. Uh, and so it started this new church planner track that as of the next year they were starting to do. And I believe at some level they still do that with some of the church planner guys. They, they get to move around some like that. And we started taking these trips. To, and mm -hmm. so it was just the timing. God's timing was incredible with that whole thing. Right. And so. The other thing while I was there, um, uh, one of the professors, um, Tony, uh, Tony, who is now with uh, with uh, Lutheran Hour, right? Tony Cook, oh, Anthony yeah, Cook. Yeah. yeah. He he uh, he he let me come over, and I got to know him, and I took a few of his classes, and uh, he he was telling me he had a church in his attic at the time, which is a pretty cool thing. Uh, with some of the people from the neighborhood and I wanted to know about that right that's cool and and he he I did a one-on-one -on -one class with him and he had me reading about this church over in Sheffield England uh, where they where 15 or 20 years before they'd had this big missional movement and this church was just booming over there and he had gotten to go over and spend time there mm -hmm. so I learned all about it. it was the very last class I took um and then I went out to plant my church. I moved down to Texas, to the Dallas area uh, in Roanoke, Texas. And I vickered at this church for a year. So I did, they let me do my three years straight, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, at seminary. I vickered at this church for a year and planted off of it in Grapevine. <clears throat> and while the funny thing is, while I was in the vicarage year, uh, I run across this book at a, at a, at a, at a, a Winkle, you know, the pastor's and, uh, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's sitting there and it says launching missional communities. And I'm going, I should be reading that book because that's what I want to do. And then it says by Mike Breen. And I look that guy up and he's the guy who started the movement in Sheffield, England. And that <laughs> weekend he was going to be in Austin at the verge conference speaking. And I, I couldn't go to the actual conference, but there was a one day pre-conference day mm -hmm. and he was doing like four sessions in a row. So I got to drive down to Austin and just listen to him speak. And I was going, oh, that's blowing my mind. That's cool. You know, huddle this, this idea of discipling a missional community. And then I went uh, to Exponential and I met him there. 
and went over to the house they were staying at and spent an hour and a half just talking to them and, and knew that we needed to team with them. And the Texas district said to me, they would cover half the cost of my church going through this thing with 3DM. That's cool. Uh, yeah. And so we went through for two years and then I got to get discipled by him. My wife and I got discipled by Mike Green and his wife. And it was all about what it boiled down to was when he was an Anglican priest in England, like 25 years ago or something, their bishop called them all together and said, hey, uh, we're like less than 2% church now as a country. So if any of you have any ideas, you can try it. And so Mike Green says, what if we just try what Jesus did? Yeah. <laughs> Novel approach, right? Yeah, exactly. And he said, well, Jesus gathered, you know, uh, with groups of people, big groups. He went to the temple. So let's keep worshiping. We're not throwing that away. He said, but Jesus had his 12 and he discipled them intentionally mm-hmm. for, for a long period of time with the full intent that they wouldn't disciple others who would disciple others, right? So Jesus started the first pyramid scheme. It's called discipleship. It's really effective. <laughs> and then he said he also had his 70 that he did life with, right? Yep. And uh, so he said, let's start having communities of people who just have a common interest and have a specific kind of people they're trying to reach. And they called them missional communities. And they started just doing those things and their church just boomed. And it's still booming over there in, in Sheffield, cool. England. Yeah, and so he brought that over to the United States, and I ended up eating with him and learning from him. And uh, so we got to implement that with the church we planted there in Grapevine. Um, we ended up in a coffee house, a uh, big coffee house that uh, we had teamed up with a former Dallas cowboy who owned it. And so we had it on Sundays, and then it was the coffee house the rest of the week. And it was called The Vine. And uh, I don't know, we, we reached we reached a lot of people who didn't go to church. So by the end of my time there, you know, it wasn't a huge church. It was like 120 if everybody was there. So about 80 in worship, but about half of those were completely unchurched people before then of the other 50%, about 25% had grown up Lutheran. The other 25% were everything else. And uh, we all became this one community with this same theology that we hold as Lutherans yet living it missionally uh, is a cool thing. A really cool thing. Um, I yeah. like it. I like it a lot. And then lot. Uh, the other thing God was putting on my heart in the last couple of years that I was there. So I also, we started working with PLI, uh, you know, PLI pastoral Pas- leadership. Yep. Institute, right? yep. Yep. But they don't, it, now it's really just PLI. <clears throat> and uh Jock Ficken from there called me up about, oh, four years into our church plant. And uh, we had taken that group through uh, 3DM. I guess it's three years into our church plant. Taking our group through this two-year process with 3DM. And I wanted to take a second group through it because we'd really grown, had new leadership. I wanted them all to go through it. So I had a setup to go to another one in Kansas City. And I get a call and they say, yeah, we didn't get enough people for that. And so we're going to have to cancel, but we have one in Boston you can do. And I'm going, I can't take people to Boston every six months. We're a church plant, you know, right, right. that money will kill us. The next day, Jock Ficken calls me up and says, Hey, you know, uh, PLI, we just uh, franchised with 3DM uh, to bring that material into our Lutheran churches. Would you be willing to come in and 
take a group through it at the end. I was like, Holy spirit, yes. you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we went with that. And of course they had done really cool things with it. And at halfway through, they talked to Stephanie and I about helping lead those. So we've been helping lead those and disciple pastors and uh, helping them uh, learn how to take this beautiful theology that we have as Lutherans and put it into practice. Right. And it starts with pastors and their mm-hmm. wives because mm-hmm. so many of us are so overextended. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, man, so many pastors I meet are unhealthy. And that was the thing. If I go back to my end of my time at Trinity Klein, I was unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, I was putting in 60, 70 hours a week uh, at the church. That's why I didn't know my neighbors. Um, uh, I wasn't, I, when I was with my, my wife and my kids, I was there, but I was not very present. Right. You know, I'm staring off thinking about, oh, this message I got to do, this worship service, these kids I need to be talking to. Um, and uh, so a lot of what we do is we decide, we begin by discipling them to learn to live the God life that God's called them to live, help them understand, you know, you're after God, your wife's your first priority then your kids disciple your kids, not just raise your kids. And then the people that you're going to disciple who are going to make disciples and how to have margin in your life to be able to get to know your neighbors and invite them into your home and tell people about Jesus. And so, yeah, that's all been huge for us. And my wife and I have become a team now. Uh, We started CrossFit, I think, eight years ago. And uh, that's our big mission field. Mm -hmm. So, We've, I've, I've gotten to baptize several people out of our CrossFit back in Grapevine. And oh, that's cool. Now she and I are at this CrossFit here and I discipled a bunch of like three guys from our CrossFit back there became elders in our church. <clears throat> and so, yeah. And so now we go to a CrossFit here, but anyway, at the, I was, I was confused <laughs> at the <laughs> end of our, at the end of our time in Grapevine, uh, God started putting it on my heart that he was going to send me into a much more traditional LCMS church. And I don't mean traditional, like, you know, super traditional worship, but a, an older LCMS church, right? Stab- established. Yeah. Established. Thank you. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. And, and the reason was, is a lot of these pastors I was discipling, like these guys on the West coast in Chicago and all these places, um, when I would be talking to them about my experiences, I got, they loved it, but I got a lot of pushback where they would say, yeah, but mm-hmm. you're in a church plant. So you can do that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can try new things. I'm in this church that's been around for 20 years, 50 years, a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so much there. And I just, the, it was an overwhelming sense of God saying, no, I'm going to put you into an established, thank you for that church. Um, and we're going to show them that you can live a healthy life, be missional and have a missional church out of a bunch of Lutherans. And about that time, you know, after a year of telling them, no, uh, shepherd of the Valley in, in, uh, in West Des Moines, Iowa phones us again and God just flipped our hearts and, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. And yeah. we came to visit about a year ago, and uh, it it was weather like we're having right now. Nine inches of snow, negative 12 degrees. <laughs> We've... And every single person apologized to me for the weather, I think. so. 
the weather's a gravity issue, it's going to happen. Yeah, there's, right. there's, there's a hundred percent chance of weather every day. <laughs> this but, is true. But as I, as I was out clearing snow again today, I looked at the piles at the end of my driveway, and I'm like, those piles are pretty high, and they haven't been that high for many years. I can tell you yeah. that. So, I mean, there's, there's one year we got like 77 inches of snow, I think, and I actually uh-huh. had had to move the snow out of the parking back behind <laughs> the sidewalk because I couldn't you couldn't see out of the driveway when you back the cars out, <laughs> you know. I just, and we had went on a mission trip and I remember flying home and the next morning we had like seven inches of snow. And so I went from, you know, 90 degrees and Caribbean sun and, and breeze to oh. car hards and, and pushing the, the snowblower and just freezing. Yeah. Know? That'll throw your system off a little. It, 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 it will indeed. So, yeah. So, so part of the, uh, um, um, thank you for, for those words because you, you kind of took it out of my, you know, cause as I'm looking at calls right now, right? It's, I, I, I don't want to go to a church to just maintain the establishment. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Right? Because, you know, most of our churches are what? They're declining. They're, yeah. they're, they're status quo or they're declining um, because mm-hmm. they're aging and we haven't, um, you know, the, the come and see attractional model that you had down at that big church does yeah. not work anymore no it's all about relationships yeah yeah and people seeking truth and trying to find truth and they're looking all over the place for it and right people are posting about it and i i i, I just throw my hands up anymore it's like i'm i don't even know where's where's a good source to get get fed you know news or to to learn about because it seems like the biases are so strong now. So, yeah, for sure. So, so part of this is kind of the, pre- the premise of this was, you know, during COVID, I thought about like writing a book. Like I had these different chapters of this book. I, I've, I've kept them on my notes. If something has happened in my life, it's like, this is a chapter of my book, kind yeah. of a, you know, kind of a autobiography type thing. And um, as I started thinking about actually writing a book, I have no, I have very little talent for that. So I was like, I started getting turned on a podcast. I'm like, well, I could do that, you know, <laughs> buy a microphone and ask a few questions, you know, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, I, I've tried it. So, sure. so kind of pr- the premise of this is on tap is I've had some great conversations with guys over beers or, or ladies. Um, and so just trying to capture some of those conversations that are just deeper than weather and, you know, and family and sports. And we all, we all like to talk about that. And you, you establish that you're, I know you're a Cowboys, Mavericks, Rangers, Texas Tech, Red Raiders, you know, West Texas. Stars. Um, Dallas Stars. And the Dallas Stars, true. Which <laughs> a Minnesota, doesn't that a Minnesota team ended up in Dallas, right? Yeah, that's right. Minnesota North Stars. That's right. They came, yeah. came to Texas and won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and Minnesota's huge, you know, hockey's huge in Minnesota just to get ice time. So, yeah, so, yeah. so part of Actually, it is. I, I moved uh, to Minnesota for, for, to go to school when I transferred from Texas Tech. That was the year that the stars moved down to Texas. Oh, really? And one of my first experiences, I got there and uh, my dorm wasn't ready yet. I was there for football for so several weeks early. And uh, so he put me in. Uh, for a couple nights with a, a, a junior and a senior and I walk into their dorm room and there's a Minnesota North stars picture phone poster on the wall. 
<laughs> and I endeared myself right away by going, Dallas Stars. And they go, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, so part of what we do is, you know, I record these over Zoom. So we're actually looking at each other. Um, we can see each other, but we just do the audio. But part of it is to uh, bring a beverage that you, you know, that you want to share. So do you have something that, that, you're, uh, that you're drinking that you want to share? I have one I'm drinking. Now, it's not, it, it's a good beer, but it wouldn't be my choice right now. It's just I, I don't have what I want, right? And what <laughs> I would be drinking is uh, there's, a, there's a brewery in the Dallas area called Pedicolas. And they have, two, yeah, P-E, I think it's P-E-T-I-C-O-L-A-S. Okay. Um, and I might even be pronouncing it wrong, but they have two beers that I highly suggest. One is their Irish Goodbye, and it's the best red I've ever had. And the other one is called the Velvet Hammer. And it's because it's like 12% alcohol, I believe. Ooh. But it is smooth. <laughs> it will. And so it's the kind where you don't need to have two, mm. right? You have one, that's enough, but it's so smooth that while you're having it, you don't notice. And then you stand up and it's like, okay, one was enough. <laughs> Time for an Uber. <laughs> yep. And then the other from down there is called a Revolver Blood and Honey. So the brewery is Revolver and Blood and Honey. And it's actually gotten really big down in Texas. Like you'll find it all over in the, in the stores and such. Okay. But I'm in Iowa now. And I didn't choose an Iowa beer. This is a Boulevard. So Kansas City beer. And it's their India India Pale Ale. It says Strata Citra, and it's actually pretty good. So, from okay. the tasting room series. Okay. Have you tried Peace Tree yet? They have a, there's a brewery here in town. It's called Peace Tree. P E A C E Peace Tree. They make a red I rambler. Have it. I called, have it. I almost red picked rambler. that. Yeah, Red Rambler. Uh, it's, it's early. I do beer. like it. I'll so. try that. I've had several Exile beer and there, there's some pretty good stuff out of that and there's also confluence so yeah because that's one of the problems this is one of the problems with covid right i by now i would have been out with guys to some of these places and try some of these things or over at their places to try them i'm just having to guess on my own now so yeah well <laughs> do you have a bike do you bike or no do you have a mountain, mountain bike i mountain bike mountain bike well, yeah well sometimes we we do a little ride from my house downtown and back is about 22 23 miles mm -hmm. but but we stop we could stop at peace tree we can stop at confluence we can stop at there's another brewery 515 um and there's also the distillery in west des moines that's got that's another place you can stop on your bike so it's it's a fun afternoon well i'm willing to join in on that i might right. need to borrow a road bike to keep up but uh oh i've yeah. got i've got a few i've got a few so i okay. i'm i'm drinking a minnesota beer uh -huh. Sur surly did, did you have surly when you were up there no because i was up there when they were all drinking like pbr <laughs> so so my favorite my favorite surly beer is todd the axman and that's an ipa Todd but it, but it's eighteen dollars for a four pack. Oh, yeah. yeah! You got to enjoy each one. I think the last time I had it, my daughter gave me a four pack. So my oldest oh, daughter, when good. I was up there. Really but this good. is a Furious IPA, and it's really, really hoppy. So nice. Yeah. Now I'll tell you. Did I, did I tell you what got me into beer? No. 
So, um, well, when I was going to Con Concordia, I was of age. And uh, back then I didn't know better. So I was drinking like Keystone Light, Coors Light, <laughs> things like that. Well, when I went on my internship in Washington State, uh, the pastor of the church there, so as a DCE intern, you know, that's where brew pubs really got their start. Yeah, out there. yeah. And this is 95, 96. And this is when they're really starting to get rolling. And uh, he and I had a meeting every Monday night. And uh, I would show up at his house and he was kind of on the outskirts of town. So I'd pull in. He had his kids were in my youth ministry. Uh, his wife was a really sweet woman. But I would park. I would walk in the, the side room, which is the mud room, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the, he had a fridge in the mud room. And uh, I would open up the freezer and pull out a pitcher and two mugs, close it up. And there was a tap on the side of the, of the refrigerator. And I'd fill the, the, the pitcher up with, it was a, it was a Widmer Hefeweizen, mm. right? You can find that in the stores now. Back then, you could only get it up there. And I would carry it through the house. And I'd say hi to the family. And I'd go out the back door. And he'd be waiting out there. And he had a hot tub. And uh, we'd sit in the hot tub and share. We'd have a beer and talk about the week. And in the, it, to the north of us was Mount St. Helens. Mm -hmm. And to the west of us was Mount Hood. And so in the summer, when it was actually clear and you could see those things, it was, I was sitting out there and it was like, this is the best place in the world to get critiqued. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Because you can, tell, you, can, you can tell me I'm horrible and I'm so relaxed. It's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm drinking a really good beer. I'm sitting in a hot tub, beautiful scenery around me. It wasn't a bad deal. And they would feed me, feed me on those nights. And, you know, DCE intern at that time, anytime somebody would feed you, you had to take it up. You could take the honest truth a little easier in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's when I learned that beer could really be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Cause I, I, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, my first job after high school, I was all of 18 or 19 years old. I drove a beer truck. I delivered beer nice. for, for Coors. So <laughs> at that point, I thought, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm delivering yeah, yeah. beer. I, I get free beer. I mean, <laughs> How great is this? what else do I want to do? And uh -huh. then about three or four years of that, I'm like, eh, maybe there is something else to <laughs> to life besides, you know, you know drinking beer and delivering beer yeah yeah yep. so yeah so i didn't really prep you with this question but uh so we're, we're kind of changing gears and you know i i sent you a couple questions and there's one that we always ask and we'll, we'll get to those to those two but um i was trying to think of something specific but um for you um but really can come up with but you know, we kind of talked about, and you hit on this, what makes a church a church. And I think you're, you're talking about your experience and your introduction and being mm -hmm. a church planner and now being an established church. And um, I just see a, a big sense of like community, um, mm. uh, you know, and, and intentional discipleship. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those words when you bring it up in church, you, you know, usually when you say it from the pulpit, people are kind of like, they're either going to, uh, maybe people don't intentionally look you in the eye because, well, here, here we go talking about this again, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I just read a thing in one of my classes. It's like, you know, we're, we're, we're one generation as Christianity away from extinction. If we don't 
actually follow the words and that are in that are in the great book you know yeah well and that's the thing that that was what's so huge it took I, I I thought back and I'd had people who had greatly impacted me right uh, Steve Arnold, who's the director of the DCE program back in St. Paul, he really impacted me. Uh, my DCE, Bill Johnson, when I was growing up, and uh, the past Pastor Jokel down there really impacted me. But nobody had intentionally discipled me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, until I worked with 3DM and uh, this this guy Glenn Kaler in Kansas City, he he discipled me for two years. And my life changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time, I felt like I was actually living this thing. And it took two years to change. And, and it, a lot of it was just him constantly working with me to see what's God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? And being held accountable to things. And all of a sudden, there was margin in my life. I was discipling my kids. I was leading my household spiritually. I was, I was talking to people who didn't know Jesus this funny thing started happening uh, where it turns out if you get to know people who don't know Jesus and you talk to them about Jesus, you end up seeing people converted and coming to know Jesus, which is really an awesome thing. Um, yeah. And once I started living it and then my wife was getting discipled uh, and she started living it and then we're living it together, boy, it just, everything changed. And then it, that impacted our whole church Mm-hmm. And then we're discipling people. Um, and for the first time I was going, and, and I'm not discounting the ministry before. God did incredible right. things in yeah. all those years, but this was different, right? Um, and, and that was the thing that really struck me. If, if we want to see churches change, uh, we have to change. Yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. we got to start living this thing. And then when we're talking in the pulpit, uh, it's different, Right now I'm talking about, I'm not just telling you that you need to go and live this life or, or that yes, you're saved by grace, but you also need to go out and witness your faith. I'm talking about my stories, yep. right? I'm talking about my life and my wife's life and my kids' lives and uh, the, the people that we're having in our homes. And, you know, we went from, we went from our house was a sanctuary to hide from the church, you know, cause we're right. so busy there to, uh, to, when we look for a house now, the first thing we're looking for is how many people can we get in here? Right. And what does the neighborhood look like to reach those people? And it it was just such a shift. And when pastors start living it and, and ministers start living it and their families start living it and you start discipling people that changes the church. Right. And, and what we do too, is you, you call the people in your church to come alongside you and join you in that mission and uh, and they learn, yeah, the Holy Spirit's really ready to roll, man. He's just been waiting for us. Let's let's go. Yeah, well, you're, you're getting me excited to talk. I, I, you're, I'm just, and this will be another conversation later. But what you're saying goes along with the conversation that Leslie and I, my wife, had yesterday after after service on the way home and mm. throughout the afternoon. So I'll have to circle back around to that. So sure, it'll be good. Uh, it's all good. It, it's lost long the same thing you're talking about, but I, it just reminds me like when I was doing, you know, when I was had a call of the congregation, it's like, you're, you're feeding into all these people. And at the end of the day, you're just you're putting all these hours in and you're just worn out. Right. So yeah. who's, who's yeah. feeding into me, right. Who's, sure. who's feeding me. And, 
and you look at the end of the day, it's like, am I just spinning my wheels and wasting my time? Mm. No. You yeah. know, or, or am I wasting God's time? What, what am I doing? And you just start to question yourself. And so yeah. that's, that's good stuff. That's really good stuff. So one of the questions that we always ask, and you said you didn't really have time to prepare, but that's okay. So you can do it kind of off the cuff. But here, here's, here's the one of the questions I asked everybody. Three people you'd like to have a beer with, and they have to be alive. Okay. And they cannot, it cannot be Jesus. They can't, it cannot be, it cannot be God incarnate. Okay. 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 All right. And, and we can't choose people who have died, but now are in eternity. So still alive. On the, on the, on this broken earth. Okay. They have to be yeah, on yeah. this planet earth. I got yeah. you. I got yeah. you. <laughs> I guess if they're in the space station, I'll take those two or something, but right, 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 right. Yeah. That's good. Um, right now. Well, I, I say Mike Breen, who, who I talked about, um, mm. we got to be discipled by him for about a year and a half uh, through video conference like we're doing. Uh, but he's a guy, anytime I get to sit with and just talk and pick his brain and have a beer with, absolutely. Uh, so I, that one's cheating because I have had a beer with him, but right. uh, it's been a while. I would do it again. Um, then, well, I'm, I'm rereading a book right now. Um, and I've read several of his books and not all of them I've loved everything about, but I, I love a lot of the things he has to say. And, uh, a guy named Mark Batterson, mm-hmm. uh, out of Washington, DC. And, uh, the best book that I've come across in the last several years is whisper chase the lion's very good. If you haven't read whisper though, um, that is awesome. Whisper the art of listening to God. That's a good one too. Um, so I, I would love, I would love to sit with him and have a beer. And uh, and then the last one has got to be Troy Aikman, right? Because uh, I got to sit with the Dallas Cowboy hero, Mr. And, Cowboy. And, yeah, and and relive some of that with him and, and have a beer with that guy. I, I think I could do it. And uh, I believe. He's in the Lutheran song from Lost and Found, so there's some kind of Lutheranness in Troitman's background. So yeah, there's there's a connection there. I'm sure if you yeah, men- yeah. I'm sure if you mentioned that he'd 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 be sit right down for one. It'd mean a lot to him for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Although I, I was torn because would I go Danny White or Roger Stava? <sighs> Just thinking through Cowboy quarterbacks, but it'd be it'd be Aikman, I think. So. Well, he won three, right? Three Super Bowls, yeah. Roger had two. Danny White didn't have any, but he was the 80s, you know, and that was my growing up time. And uh, he went to four NFC Championship games and never quite won it, but he was a pretty incredible guy. That was the era of the Steelers or the Cowboys. You're either on one. Yeah, you're either on one side or the other. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I'm just hoping Tom Brady will go to the Vikings, you know, because apparently whatever team he quarterbacks, they win a they win a Super Bowl. So it definitely seems that way. Yeah, I'm thinking Kirk Cousins for for uh, Tom Brady would be, you know, fair trade, right? Yeah, either that, either put him on one of the teams we want to win. Uh, I'd be fine with the Vikings winning. I want the Cowboys to win though, or have him not be in it because the other thing I feel like every Super Bowl he's in is boring, right? Because like this one, they just killed Kansas City, and it's it's not pretty. I went back and looked. Uh, did you hear this stat today? Uh, Patrick Mahomes 
ran 497 yards of avoiding sacks in the game last night. <laughs> Five football fields he ran to avoid sacks. I heard another one today where they were suggesting, and I don't know if it's official, but he, he was under the most pressure of any quarterback in, in, in Super Bowl history. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, oh, they, gosh. They, they, they brought pressure at will. I mean, yeah. they didn't have to blitz. It was crazy. And then when he would make a great play and get the pass off, his guys, I don't know if they were shocked that the ball actually got there, but they couldn't hit it. It yeah, just bounced off their yeah, face or whatever. There's like seven of the seven of the most beautiful incompletions you've ever seen in football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my three, um, I'm gonna change one of mine, actually. I don't know, just for just for sake of change, maybe. I don't know. But sure. Uh, so my three are it used to be the rock because, you know, well, I mean, who wouldn't want to be the rock right now? Right. Everything, oh yeah. You know, everything yeah. he touches is, you know, he makes some, some good movies. I know that. Right. Jumanji but, that cracked me up. I actually, I actually watched Jumanji on the plane going to Israel. Uh-huh. So, you know, he, laugh out loud. Yeah. It, it was, it's funny stuff. And then the one where he's the, like, the nerd that turns into the FBI agent with Kevin Hart. What movie was it? I mean, that had some laugh out loud stuff in it too. I think when you put him together with Kevin Hart, you got some gold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm changing him to Francis Chan because. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, you, you want a guy who will challenge you. Yeah. I mean, look what he's doing. I mean, the guy had a yeah. 5,000 member church. He sure. quit. He quit that. Went and started a house church network, discipleship, intentional discipleship. Got that going in the San Francisco area. Yeah. Has now quit that and is uh and is he in the Philippines, I think? He's in the far he's in the far he's, is he's he back either, over there. Or is he in Hong Kong? Anyway, he I mean, right before COVID started, he, yeah. he him and his family packed up and moved over there to be missionaries. Well, I know letters to the church kicked my butt for a little while. That oh. that book. Yeah. Uh, we must have like the same bookshelf. <laughs> right there nice look and, and that's all my like quotes i wrote out of there i mean i don't know how many pages yep. so. mine i just had to show you my ipad though because mine are all on kindle and i can't i, I highlight have, i gotta have a piece I of paper hi, i highlight in there and one of the things that's one of the cool things my wife and i share the same kindle address and so ah. i'll read a book and she highlights in pink and i highlight in blue uh and so we see each other's highlights and if if one of us is reading it second and you really have to highlight what the other one highlighted, we turn it to orange. So, but it's kind of a cool way. And then it, it creates good conversation between us over a lot of these books. So that's good. So Francis Chan's my, my first. Um, I nice. Just, I, 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 I don't know how many times I've watched some of his YouTube videos and read his books and, yeah. um, you know, nothing he says is like earth shattering or like, you know, like it's stuff you've heard before, but just the way he presents it and the passion, I think, in which he presents yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like when he says something, it's like he means it. And you can, you know, he means it from his soul. Well, you know, and that's that's the thing we're talking about, right? He's living it. Right. Those things, he's not just saying it. He's talking about his life and his family's life. And yeah, it, it's moving that way. Yeah. So, uh, so Francis Chan's my first. My second is bono from u2 oh nice yeah i graduated in 1987 my two favorite bands were van halen and 
you too. Oh, you should see. I guarantee you. Did you have a briefcase with tapes? A briefcase looking thing that you could take your tapes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I had I had one of those, and there was a whole row of Van Halen. There was a U two section with George Strait and uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and then <laughs> and then Alabama. Uh, I was very eclectic, but uh, yeah, I was a little heartbroken when when Eddie died recently. So yeah, uh, 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 you know. I know he had some health problems here and there, but it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, he shouldn't be dead. You know, I, I saw him yeah. in concert and, you know, he was up there <laughs> having a good old time and partying yeah. it up and playing his tunes yeah. and there's no way he yeah. should be dead. So I just, I've watched a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of U2 songs have Christian. I mean, yes. he is a Christian. Is he a Lutheran? No. Does he agree with the theology of Lutheran church? No. But is he reaching people? Yeah. You know, he is. And, you know, and, yeah. And he, um, I watched some, there's some videos out there with him and Eugene Peterson talking about the Psalms. They're, they're mm -hmm. it's some pretty powerful, they're just having a conversation yeah. kind of like we are, but it's, there's, there's some really good stuff. I love reading the words to some of his songs. And uh, I had a friend when I was back in Houston, who was, uh, his job was at the Woodlands Pavilion where all the big names who came through Houston would have concerts. And he was like a, a bouncer at it, right? And so he saw hundreds of concerts and a bunch of them were Christian concerts, but he said U2's concert was the most Christian concert he had ever been to there. Yeah. Just, he, he said Bono got up there and he talked about Jesus and his love for Jesus. And they, they sang, I think an acapella, he just sang with everyone, how great thou art or something like that. I don't yeah, remember they, what it was, but they sing um, 40, which is based on Psalm 40 and um, mm -hmm. Yahweh. There's a song called Yahweh. Yeah, yeah. And they used to close that's their cool. concerts with it. Uh, that yeah. was two songs they closed their concerts with. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. Good choice. Yeah, I watched a, a video clip where he, he said, you know, if I was going to tell like contemporary Christian artists anything, he's like, quit writing songs that you're writing. I want to hear something like the yeah. hurt, the pain that you're going yeah. through and what it means to have a safe, you know, and not, yeah. not these pretty melodies and stuff. So he's my second. My third is... A Texan, is he? yeah, he is a Texan. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, nice. Yeah, all because right, right, I mean, right. I, I mean, who would not want to be? I, I just I actually just read his book, sure. uh, Green Lights. So during uh -huh. during uh, COVID, he's kept a journal for like thirty five years, and uh, really, and he went through all of his journals. Like his wife yeah, sent yeah. him away, and he like locked himself in this place, and he just went through all of his journals, and he put together his life story, like becoming an actor and. Uh -huh. Like these different trips that he went on and, you know, just the different, I mean, the, the guys, obviously, you know, he's, he's not hard to look at. He's, you know, he, he's got, <laughs> he, he's got, got it all and it, to be jealous of, but he's a great storyteller. And, yeah. you know, um, and as a person there's, that there's you know, some kind of faith in that guy too, isn't there? Oh yeah. There's parts of it where yeah, he's, yeah. he's got his favorite, his Bible verse and yeah, um, yeah. he quotes scripture in there and, you know, he's, yeah, he, cool. he doesn't deny it at all. So in fact, I think there was just an interview where he was talking about some stuff about the election and he was getting lambasted for that. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think after reading his book, I would be like, I would like to hear some of the stories that weren't in his book. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, give me some to, of the stuff from your journals you didn't talk about. 
Yeah, because because you can only I mean, like he'd have a dream that he was floating down this river and it came to him that he was like in the Amazon. And so he gets on a plane and flies to South America and hires a charter and floats down the Amazon. He <laughs> ends up wrestling this guy in a pit, right? This, you know, <laughs> it's just it's crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. So It's an interesting life. Yeah. Not mine, but that's okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's okay. You know, there's only one, right. one, one, one Matthew McConaughey. That's right. So, so the last question I'll ask you, uh, uh, and I did send this one to you, and, and um, I don't know this question came from, but um, may, maybe it's just been because of COVID in the last year. I think where a lot of people f- thought there was joy, maybe there's not mm-hmm. joy now, or they're, yeah. they're questioning where their joy comes from. Um, but the question is, what gives you joy in the journey of life? So, um, it really is, uh, discipleship. It's, it's making disciples. It's, uh, doing it with my wife, right. Mm-hmm. Starting with our children, uh, and, and seeing the wheels turn uh, as we're spending time with them and talking about these things. And then the guys that I disciple, um, just getting to talk with them, helping them, helping them see that God is speaking into our lives all the time mm-hmm. uh, and, and learning to hear and learning to respond and seeing their lives change. And then them making disciples. I, there's such joy in it, right. Um, mm-hmm. To do that again and again, it's, it's the one thing that I do. And I, like I said, with my wife, I love doing it um, and knowing that she's doing that too and how we can work together and, and doing it with our children and, and, and these, these guys that I disciple. But it's, uh, you know, in that moment that you're doing what God puts you on the earth to do, mm-hmm. that, that this is what it's about. Why, why am I still here? Um, it's to do that. And uh it's the most joy-filled thing that I do. Yeah. Cool. Yep. I, 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 and I like it that you say with your wife, because many pastors will not, you know, I'm the one that has the call, but then we, we forget. Like my wife's like now she like, she helped me with some of the stuff at the church. Right. Cause I was, yeah, I was everything from A to Z there. Right. And now she's, well, what do I do? I mean, I'm kind of feeling yeah. like, you know, what, what, what should I be doing? You yep. know, and I get to, come, I mean, she works from home, but I get to come home and say, you know, I met this person or I had this phone call or, mm-hmm. you know, you don't give specifics and details, but you can't, you know, yeah. give an overall general, you know. Well, the, the, the two will become one, right? And so I'm a pastor and I, I'm leading this thing, but we both have the call to make disciples. Yeah. Right. And I have learned now that uh, that we have both grown so much uh, by being discipled by others and then working together in new ways, um, that I am I, I am much better with her. Mm-hmm. You know, she she sees things sometimes that I don't see. She she has some gifts that I don't have that that pick up in some of my weaknesses in really cool ways. 
Um, yeah. And I just think, you know, when, when God gave Eve to Adam, it wasn't, it was so that they could work together, you know, mm-hmm. and, and do this life together. And yeah. So I think he that's, called, that's been huge. God called what Eve a helper, I think is the yeah. word. A helper. Yeah. So it's good to, to have her there helping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I have enjoyed our time uh, getting, getting to know you a little bit more and hear some more about your story. And uh, thanks for coming on and sharing and uh absolutely i look forward to learning more as time goes on so thank you very much for being with us thank you bill it's a good good time god bless you bill this has been on tap with bill clark I'd like to thank Pastor John David Mole from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in West Des Moines, Iowa for coming on this episode. I thoroughly enjoyed visiting with Pastor John David and learning more about his call and his journey as he arrived here in the Central Iowa area about a year ago. We pray that our conversation blesses you and gives you joy in this journey of life. Cheers. Just joy.